Today's episode of the Utah Man Podcast is brought to you by Lyft. Now, Lyft is rapidly becoming the go-to choice for Utahns needing a safe and convenient way of getting where they need to go. In fact, last week after the game, I used Lyft. You two were waiting for tracks, and it took you guys over 35 minutes to get up to where we all parked. My tush is still frozen. Due to its popularity, Lyft is in need of more drivers. Now, Lyft is currently offering our listeners of the Utah Man podcast a bonus of $300 when they sign up using our exclusive code, Utah Man Pod. Signing up only takes a few minutes. You just download the Lyft driver app right on your smartphone, punch in the code Utah Man Pod, and get ready to drive. If you're looking for an easy and flexible way to earn some extra cash, earning up to over $1,000 a week, driving for Lyft is the way to go. Sign up today and don't forget to use our code UtahManPod, it's UtahManPod, P-O-D, to collect your bonus. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. The November curse strikes again, but Utah gets the win over the Oregon Ducks, and we look forward to the rivalry game against the Colorado Buffs. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, you Nation. And Scott. I'm back. So is Kenny G. <laughs> Not again. Last week it was Enya, now it's Kenny G. What have you become? <laughs> hey, this is what... You victories due to me. <laughs> oh my god! I could have used this when the news about Zach Moss came out. I'll tell you that. Our our curse is, but we've been delivered from the November curse. Who doesn't want a little Kenny G up in here? Welcome on in, you fans. You got to cut that, Scott. We can't. We can't have too much Kenny G. We'll get sued. You go to our website. Scott's now accepting. Uh, sign-ups for massages. Are you taking requests now? Is this turned into um, Total Request Live? I've, I've, ac- I've actually started a side business, and uh, and I'm doing massages on the side, in, in Meadows only, though. I didn't know we had Casey 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 before my time. I don't really know his name, but I just know him from Say by the Bell. Did Casey Kasem give uh, massages as well? <laughs> No wonder it was when so Lisa, popular. When Lisa Turtle sprained her ankle, maybe. Wasn't that principal building? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so speaking of people that need massages, before we get in the game, Zach Moss, man, it comes out at the press conference after the game, injures his knee getting into bed. I'm, not try- I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean and laugh at that. But yeah, obviously... The- I wouldn't upset Moss. Maybe he's got a bunk bed. But man, I honestly, I picked the Ducks last week. I will fully admit I was wrong. But when that happened, I felt even better about my prediction uh, about the Ducks winning. And and Shelly and Shine really proved me wrong. Shelly, I thought, played extremely well. Shine, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts uh, about his game because I know I have my own. Uh, but overall, I... This game outside the third quarter, I think, for Utah was a success. I was pleasantly surprised. I did not. I kind of went 
to the game with very low expectations. And when they jumped out to a quick 10-0 lead, I was like, I think the whole stadium had low expectations because right, it, it was, was dead. It was pretty flat. It the was. feeling was, yeah, there was pretty flat. There was and no buzz. That once they got up 10-0, the the fans started getting into it. I don't think anybody wanted to really get their expectations too high with so many unknowns of Shelly, Shine, and November Curse. And November Curse, a day game, and again against Oregon, who's a pretty good opponent. So, you know, I think uh, Utah squashed a lot of the. Uh, um, Kind of a lot of those negatives that the fan base has been feeling for uh, for a few weeks here, and uh, I mean credit to credit to Shelley. He came out and and if you look at his numbers, they weren't they just they weren't eye popping or anything like that. But he took care of the ball. No no uh, turnovers for this offense, that which was, was huge. huge. That's the biggest key. And and he just the thing that impressed me the most about Shelley was he just looked comfortable in the pocket. He wasn't rushed. He didn't feel, he did not look as if he was, the moment was too big for him. Or he, you know, he did not know what, where to go with the ball or what know. he should be Maybe, doing. I don't think we could tell. I don't think we could see over the lineman <laughs> to see him actually. No, but I mean, he, I mean, he's, he's got a much different approach than, than Huntley, right? Very different. Huntley in the pocket, he, he always keeps his feet moving. And a lot of that's maybe just to keep him in a rhythm, you know, and, um, but that that looks like he's a little unsettled in the pocket when it, when those feet are just are just moving so quickly. Shelley's just a little bit more just calm, you know. He's just letting letting things play out, and then um, you know making his reads and delivering the ball. So for for his first start, redshirt freshman um, on a big stage, hats off. Really great performance. No, he played really well. The I think. The one thing I think he's got to work on this week, and I think watching more film and the game maybe slowing down for him next game, is his decision-making has got to be a little bit more quicker. I think there was times he was holding on the ball a little too long. Uh, the ball got out a little too late. Um, but obviously those are very fixable things. And if that's what you're complaining about with a, a redshirt freshman making his first start, I mean, that's a good problem to have. You know, what I kind of talking about that, what I did like about about him is when he did hold on to it too long eventually he knew what to do he got rid of the ball he threw it away so there weren't there weren't uh a lot of negative plays which as a as you know as a freshman or red shirt freshman you kind of tend to get those from time to time but uh, i think he did a good job of avoiding those yeah and he's just got to clean up some of those because i mean there were a couple passes that were in the hands of the defense that could have been brought down as an interception obviously they didn't um, you know, and, and you need those kind of breaks, um, really in any type of game. But, uh, yeah, I, there's really not a whole lot to critique. I thought he ran the offense well. And the thing that I noticed is there was a, there was a faster pace with him in a quarterback, whether that was designed, um, something that he's more comfortable with that Troy Taylor decided to, to go with, or if that was Troy saying, Hey, this may help you a little bit. Yeah. There's a lot of no huddle. Yeah. That they, they ran and, and they kept, they kept the ball moving. They, and I, I liked it. I liked seeing a little, a little change of pace because we haven't really seen much of that so far this season. And, uh, you know, that may have caught Oregon off guard a little well, bit. Well, and I think it did, right? Cause, uh, Oregon had to waste a couple timeouts in both halves because of that. And that really was a big outcome at the end when Oregon had literally no time left when they got the ball. So definitely a, a scheme that Troy Taylor introduces this week. Hopefully we see that going forward because I think what you're saying, Scott, it does kind of cater 
to the offense and, and really caters to, to Shelly's strings. What, what were your guys' thoughts on, uh, on Shine? I was kind of kind of a mixed bag for me. As I watched the game, I kind of felt like he, a lot of the time, felt like he wasn't running very hard. Uh, it's like he'd put his head down, he'd get that first bit of contact at the line of scrimmage, and he, his momentum would just stop. He wasn't looking for the hole. He was just trying to lower his head and pick up some positive yardage, which backfired a, a number of times. But then after the game, I look and see he had carried it 26 times for 174 yards, and you think, that was really productive game out of him. I mean, 6, 6.7 yards per carry. Um, it's not too shabby. And a couple long runs for him, along with uh, longest was 42. The thing that I, I that I think Shine, and I echo what you're saying, uh, Ryan, I, I think Shine does a little bit better when he runs with his shoulder pads up and level to the field. Um, when I was watching the game, you know, a lot of times when he would kind of put his head down, put his shoulder pads down, he either missed the hole uh, or really just like ran into people. And I don't think that's his game. I think he's got to keep his head up. And, you know, the, t- the few times he did, he was able to bounce it out and, and get 40 yards. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a surprise to me is to see kind of just years ago. Granted, it's been a couple of years since we've really seen him in that type of uh, situation and getting that number of carries in a game. And, and he was explosive. He earned the number one job a, year, a couple of years ago because he was making plays. He was breaking tackles. And... He did not break a ton of tackles in that game. You're right. He kind of put the head down and and ran into contact and went down. And uh, on that second big uh, big run in the second half, uh, he kind of came out through the other side with his head still down, going, oh, "I'm still running." <laughs> and uh, you know, but that's something that I'm sure on film and and Kyle McDonald, his his uh, running backs coach, that's something that they can address and 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 can easily be fixed. And granted. It's really his his first significant playing time in two years. Well, and the first time he was the guy, yeah, right. He, when he's come in to to relieve Moss for a couple carries throughout the season, a lot of them have been like on a third and short, a second and short. Where yeah, sometimes you do need to just get your head down and get that that one or two yards. Uh, so definitely, you know, with him being the guy, him getting that experience, really getting his first start. Hopefully, we kind of see him and Shelley in that same boat continue to grow uh, into next week as well. So it was a big win for Utah, not only to stay in the race for the Pac-12, but because of all the injuries, they come away with the win, 32-25. to 25. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, we did some curse reversing. I almost think that we are responsible for reversing this November curse. I agree. Yeah, with the help of Fernando Perez, uh, you know, I think uh, we've we've made a, a big stride as a, as a fan base and as a program. Now, with last week's episode, as we tried to reverse the curse, you know, we got a lot of comments on on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast, and and as well as as emailed in uh, about people who were talking about our good friend who reverses curses. So, Scott, I believe our friend called you again this past week. Yeah, Fernando uh, Perez, uh, he had one of those prepaid phone cards and gave me a call on my cricket. And as he uh, as he was able to watch the game on Univision, he felt that there was still, you know, we, we had made some good strides, but it didn't fully reverse the curse. 
And in talking with him, you know, he he diagnosed this as a self-imposed curse. So we're going to bring on Fernando one more time to uh, to break down and give us a little bit greater detail what we're facing here as a as a uh, fan base. I'm going to be praying for everyone battling with a self-imposed curse. Amen. You might be asking, what is a self-imposed curse? Okay, I am. Self-imposed curses, okay, are things and words that we say, okay, often into our own lives, okay, uh, that typically comes out of anger, okay, uh, uh, frustrations, fear, okay, insecurity, bitterness, unforgiveness, negativity, okay, unrenewed mindset. What's he talking about? Fernando, there's no negativity in Ute Nation. Father, I declare, I decree every assignment of the enemy and every foul devil, Lord, that came, Lord, with a mission to destroy this man, destroy this woman, Lord, through this curse, I say, back it off, back it off. Scott, thanks for punching that phone call in from Fernando. And hey, I hope it works and this November curse is behind the Utes. Yeah, no, it. Uh, I'm I'm more than happy to do it, and I still actually have about 12 more minutes left on my card. So, um, so good news all around. We might bring him on before the BYU game if you're lucky. <laughs> all right, so let's get back into this Utah Oregon game. The defense they played lights out, honestly. Because if you look at it, Oregon well, except scored- for Blackman. <laughs> we'll get to Blackman. Oh. We will get to Blackman. I hope he doesn't search out our podcast. <laughs> but Oregon scores 25 points, and seven of those come basically off the the blocked punt. So take the, that seven away. And the defense played really, really well. They did play really well. The linebackers were fantastic. Jalen Johnson was fantastic, especially there in the fourth quarter. Uh, and the, the, the D-line... For the most part, I thought played pretty well. They had they had their moments where they lost contain and let uh, Herbert run rampant on some long third down. But conversions. you know that's that's been a common theme throughout the season. It happened at ASU. It happened at UCLA. You know, and it's obviously when we're in a man defense, you guys, you guys, you've got the secondary. Their heads are turned and they're they're focused on the on the wide receivers. But that's a problem because. You get them in third and long multiple times, and they kept converting it, and they converted those drives into points. Whereas if we could have, if you, if we could force a punt on those situations, you know that just that blows that game wide open. And uh, to an extent, you know, I, I, I would love to get somebody who's a little bit more uh, involved in uh, an understanding of a defense. How, when you're in a man defense, what you can do to to prevent that a little bit better. No, you guys bring up some really good points. Containment of the quarterback against Herbert at times was was pretty lacking. Let's talk about Julian Blackman since you brought him up, Ryan. He kind of struggled all game, and they really had to switch his man uh, with with Johnson, and that really helped slow down that passing attack from Oregon. But Blackman's a guy who I think a lot of people thought he could leave this year and go to the NFL. He was that highly thought of to start the season. He hasn't really lived up to that. And I'm not trying to down on a kid because uh, I know he's putting in the work. I know he's playing his heart out there. But at, at times it was pretty frustrating through that game. Yeah, he's just not himself. You know, obviously last year he kind of finished off the season pretty strong. Two, two interceptions in the bowl game. 
And uh, yeah, those expectations just throughout the offseason continue to grow and grow where we expected him to be lights out this year. And it just hasn't happened. He hasn't been, you know, he by no means has he been horrible. He's still uh, he's still uh, making some plays, um, but he just he got he kind of got beat like a drum in that uh, first half. He did. He got he got beat uh, in coverage a couple of times, and then and and this isn't the first time it's happened. There's a couple of plays where his receiver gets open momentarily to catch the pass and then he's out of position to make the tackle and the and the receiver uh ends up getting additional yards on the play that wouldn't be there if he was in position just to make the tackle at the point of ca- uh, of the catch. And so it's a combination of those two things that's leading to his poor play. And again, I'm not trying to, to pile on uh Blackman at all cuz obviously he he's a starter for a reason. He's he's a great cornerback. It was interesting kind of rewatching the game on, on TV. There were a few times uh, where it looked like there was some communication between him and, and the safeties or him and uh, Guidry uh, on who had over-the-top help. So, I don't, again, I don't know if it was communication errors uh, on the whole secondary or, or Blackman just not playing up to what, what we're expecting of him. Well, I mean, he he has had some struggles. He gave up the long play against Washington State, which was the the game winning touchdown for them. You know, he's he he's yet to have a pit interception on the season. Just struggling to kind of make an impact on the defense, and uh, and I think that's where maybe the frustration lies with the fan base is because the expectations were so high, and we're just not seeing that production meet it. Um, but you know, Fernando could maybe break that curse on him. You know. Break it up. Break it up. <laughs> I do want to go to the other side. We kind of talked about him. Jalen Johnson saved the game on that fourth down uh, when Oregon went for it. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised it took that long for them to make that change. With with Blackman struggling like he was, and Oregon made – they were not being shy about it. They were attempting Mitchell, who Blackman was guarding, play after play. Oh, they're going play. right at him. And I'm I'm a little surprised it took so long for them to switch that up and put Jalen on him. And when they did, I mean, his last catch with what eight minutes to go in the third quarter, um, and in on the fourth on that last series that Oregon had, uh, I should say the second to last series, they went at Mitchell on second, third, and fourth downs. None of them were completed. Jalen really saved the day. He kind of saved our bacon um, coming through and, and stepped up. But that's that's what you need, right? I mean, you need you need a guy that can do that, and uh, obviously, you know, Blackman, the talent's there. He's just I don't know. And if I he's think in that's head a little bit. And I think that's where a lot of the frustrations are coming from, Greg. You talked about it. The two inter- two interceptions in the bowl game last year. He had a lot of hype coming into the season, and again, I'm not trying to to knock him down because he is he has the potential to be an all Pac-12 corner. We're just not seeing it. Yeah, and and it'll come. You know, he probably just needs one breakout game. Now, granted, we're kind of running out of games at this point, but you know, he's still got the talent. And uh, Whittingham referred to him today as he. He told he basically said he struggled a little bit in that game, but still considers him a lockdown corner. Yeah, and then part of that's probably to to kind of keep his spirits up and and kind of encourage him, but. Uh, but I think the team still believes in his ability to to be that lockdown corner. Yeah, you know, and 
if he's struggling like that, you've got somebody like Lewis who can come in and give him a spell, get get him on the sideline where he can watch for a little bit. Um, so the depth, the depth on this defense obviously allows for you know a struggle like that and to get a fix. But you know my my frustration with the defense is more at the safety position where we're just not getting much production. Blair has kind of gone non-existent. You don't see his name being called um, all that often. He's just not because he's not around the ball as much. But he's also not the center fielder that's really no, out there I making th- plays I, either. I really think he's playing out of position. I think he's a better strong safety. But I I think Corey and Ballard made too many errors early in the season, and they switch they switched that to try to limit over the top. I mean, really, the last time Ballard played free safety was in the Washington State game. And when he he had two errors in that game, they gave up touchdowns, and and they switched to Blair. And I, I he's not doing a bad job at it, but you're right; you don't hear his name being called. And uh, that, that that long completion in the first half that Oregon had, where uh, they got behind Blackman and there was help over the top, that was Blair. Blair was out of position on that, and that wasn't Blackman's fault by any means. I think he just the call was. At least we, we anticipate the call was for uh, a zone help over the top, and and Blair was not there. But I, I think the frustration lies more is we're just not seeing the impact that we expected from Blair from last year when he was around the line of scrimmage and he was blowing guys up every other play. And he's just he's just kind of been taken out of the game playing that free safety position. But... You know, if 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 that's what's best for the team and how how things are playing out, you gotta you gotta kind of just ride with that through the rest of the season. But you would like to you would like to be able to see Blair a little bit more active uh, um, with some of these tackles. So two guys that I thought had a great game against Oregon, middle linebackers Chase Hansen, Cody Barton, both come away with sacks. It was put up today if they're the best duo linebackers in Utah history. That's a that's a tall order. Or is it? Because Utah has not had a real successful uh, stint of uh, of linebackers over the years. They're playing at a high level. Cody Barton is just come alive this this senior year. Forced fumble. Um, you know, he's just he's all over the place, and he's one of those guys that just has become so reliable. You can just trust that he's going to be where he's supposed to be and make a play. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, Chase Hansen is kind of what we all expected him to be, even moving to the linebacker position. So those guys are playing well. I'm not so sure I'm ready to put them in the best. I, I still think maybe Gioni Paul, Jared Norris kind of, uh, maybe at the top of that, of uh, that, uh, linebacker Mount Rushmore. But, uh, but these guys are, these guys are playing really well and at a high level. No, yeah, I think Paul and, and Norris are definitely up there at the top. I don't think, uh, as good as Norris was, I don't think he had, and maybe it's been so long that I, few years since they played that I don't remember well, but I don't remember Norris having the type of sideline to sideline speed that Hanson had. Hanson can Hansen's, cover Hansen's a lot got, of ground. He's got that safety speed, yeah, even playing the linebacker with a few extra pounds on. So he's, yeah, what what Hanson brings to the table is just dynamite. Um, but you know, you look at Joni Paul, how many big impact plays did he make throughout his time at Utah from interceptions you know I mean he was just always making plays and you know that's 
and and don't get me wrong, Cody and Chase are making plays as well. Probably out of this entire defense, those are the guys that are making those types of plays. Um, you know, really, it's hard to argue one way or the other because both units were phenomenal, and it's what allows. Um, you know, a defense to thrive when you've got a position group that strong along with a defensive line. But, but again, you got to give credit to the defensive line why these guys are so good because they're eating up blocks and just allowing these guys to go make tackles. And uh, so, you know, units got to work together um, and make some to, you know, form a really good defense. And, you know, that's what we're seeing this year, even though maybe the safety position isn't as strong as we've had in the past, but uh, it's still getting the job done. Yeah, there's still a few games left for them to make their case, though. I mean, if this team does win out and ASU loses and there's a chance to go to the Rose Bowl, they could yeah. put themselves in a position to be the well, best Well, they would be the first team uh, in, in school history to win the South and uh, and play in the championship game, maybe beyond that in the Rose Bowl if you know if you can win, uh, win that game. So, yeah, they've got some opportunities ahead where they can still lay, lay some claim and... Uh, and uh, maybe overtake that top spot. Either way, phenomenal. And I'll just end this. Uh, it was Yogi Roth said after the game that those are the the two best uh, combination linebackers in, in the league right now. So so great for Hanson and Barton. We can't end this game without talking about Matt Gay. Six for six on field goals, along of fifty five right before halftime. That was. I mean, it looked like it could be good from 65. Dude, easy. Looked like he kicked it 70. off a tee. Uh, he scores 20 points to the 32 that Utah put up. I will say in his Monday interview, Matt Gay talked about how he saw how Oregon put a guy back there to return that field goal right before halftime. You don't want to. And he took that as disrespect. Yeah, you don't want to upset Gay. It's the last time they'll put somebody back there. I mean, that there was that was a no doubter. He drilled that sucker. well and, and spe- in that cold weather too that ball balls don't fly like that and he just it's juiced it, the ball's juiced <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just flies off his foot like it's effortless and it's just, it it's pretty to watch it's too bad this is it for him for us to watch anyway no but you know he's got obviously you know phillips was a phenomenal kicker before him um but he did not have this type of leg and very, no. quite honestly, very few kickers do. He's got that NFL leg. He will get. He will probably get drafted and be given a real good opportunity to have a long career in the NFL because he's accurate and and he can he can kick it a long ways. He just has got to work his on his consistency of kicking out of the back of the end zone on kickoffs because <laughs> he gives me a heart attack whenever wonder. it goes short. Because, yeah, it's, there's a few couple of times a game where he'll kick it short, and you wonder, is that a coaching thing, or is he just... Winningham has said in the past that he likes to kick it right at the he front does. of the goal line he to does. make because, guys think about it. the percentages, according to Witt, the percentages that if they catch the ball, the one, two-yard line, they don't get out as far um, as a touchback. But with the new rules on fair catching, why does it matter? Well, and I would argue... Maybe that's historically correct, but this year it hasn't been correct. Every time they run it out, they're getting to the 30, 35, 40-yard line. <laughs> they, Oregon was close to returning that last kickoff. Yeah, that it was a squib kick, though, but you're right. They, that if, uh, that sideline was open. It's a good thing 31. I don't know who you are, 31, but I'm sure you're oh, one. Oh, I thought it was Barton. Was it thir- was I thought it, it was 31. Um, I'm, I'm giving credit to 31. If it was not you, 31... <laughs> 
Don't take the credit. But yeah, whoever tackle. you were, you made a, a game-saving tackle there at the end. But let's go back to, to Matt Gay and the field goals, because he was perfect, but they need to stop relying on him so much in the red zone, well, especially and, on the goal line. That was that, frustrating. Well, that was the first time this yeah, year, Yes, really. I'll give it. Yes, exactly. Shelley shines first game, but they got to clean that up. Well, they do, but, but Whittingham alluded to today that being that it was a his first start, they wanted to make sure when they got down there, they came away with points, even if it was field goals. So they were a little bit more conservative, knowing that, hey, we got three, let's not mess this up. So, you know, they weren't as aggressive as what we've seen with Tyler Huntley at the quarterback position um, with the play calls. It was a lot of just run up the gut. Unfortunately, it wasn't all that successful um at the goal line it was it was it was successful throughout the game between the 20s as we moved the ball and continue to run and 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 have success but as soon as we got to those goal lines there were not a lot of holes to be found you got to give credit to Oregon's D line i mean especially down there at the goal line they were they were pretty stout but going forward you're right cam you've got to get that fixed and um but we all know that if Moss was even with Huntley, if Huntley was out and Moss was playing, a couple of those field goals, two or three of those field goals turn into touchdowns. And if they do turn into touchdowns, it's game over. You know, it's not it's not going to be a close game. And uh, and so that's you know as we look ahead to Colorado, we'll talk about that here shortly. But that's where you got to clean up because if you do go and kind of get into a a pattern of settling for field goals. It's going to eventually come back to bite you. I just looked up 31 RJ Hubert, return missionary, freshman. Um, so if that was you, RJ, yeah, dog. All right. Before we start talking about Colorado, we do want to let you know of a special deal going on right now with our listeners with Lyft. Now, do you need some extra cash for the upcoming holidays, tuition, or just everyday expenses? You should consider driving for Lyft. For a short period of time, Lyft is offering an exclusive bonus of $300 to our listeners when they sign up to drive using the code UtahManPod. Sign up is fast and easy. So Utah's traveling to Boulder this week to take on the Buffs. Now Colorado's lost five in a row. They're five and five on the year. Their only win over a team over 500 is Arizona State, a team that Utah lost to. Well, they're a real interesting team. Steve Montez is their starting quarterback. He's a heck of a player, and I honestly thought at the beginning of the season he could be probably the best quarterback in the league. But over the last five games, he's kind of come down a little bit in that, and I really think controlling him is key. When he's over 70%, they've won every game. These last five games, he's his percentage has really gone down, and that's where, where Colorado has been hurt. Well, it's really just been a, a tell of two Two different teams. I mean, they come out of the gates five and zero. Now, granted, those were pretty hollow five and zero because they were they were beating up on some pretty average teams. But they got some national attention. They got ranked, and everybody thought, okay, you know, these guys are coming out of nowhere and going to be a force in the South. And five weeks ago, everything turned, and they've just. I mean, they've. Who loses five games in a row? Well, and in those Oregon five games, State, they lost to Oregon State in overtime. How did Oregon? Is Oregon State even lost five games in a row? I mean, come on, hair. <laughs> Speaking of McIntyre, just a side note: our friends at the Twelve Pack Radio, McIntyre could be on the hot seat. 
Well, you, well there's you th- should be if you've lost five in a row. And according to a lot of the fans that I've seen on Twitter, Colorado Buff fans are not too pleased with McIntyre and his excuses that he is using with injuries why they're on a five-game losing streak. And, well, you know, he's trying to save his job. I, I did see uh, there was a Colorado fan that said, look, Utah just lost their starting quarterback and running back and just beat Oregon. So stop with the excuses and start winning some games. So there's definitely some frustration in uh, in Buffland. They're, they're reeling a little bit. They got hammered just last week by uh, by Washington State at home. So they haven't won in five weeks, and they need this game to become bowl eligible because uh, after us, they've got Cal on the road, and Cal's playing pretty well. So that gives, so that makes it senior night. Well, actually, senior morning since an eleven thirty <laughs> kickoff. Being that it's senior morning, do you think they give out blankies at the end? <laughs> <laughs> they better give out something because they got six inches of snow on the ground this morning over there. Hey, I'll take an 11.30 kickoff, then an 8 o'clock kickoff in late November. <laughs> well, that's true. We're, we're kind of at uh, opposite sides on that one. But uh, 11.30, when was the last time Utah played at 11.30? When we were in the whack. We were, we were playing on AstroTurf in those days. And there was, I don't know, was TV invented? <laughs> the year was 1963. <laughs> But 11.30 kickoff, the ga- they're going to be, the game will be over, they'll fly home and be in bed before the sun goes down. <laughs> All ready to be able to watch Arizona State lose and secure the <laughs> South title. So, I mean, obviously it is a day game and it's Colorado and and uh, whenever we've had something on the line going up, going up against even a bad Colorado team, it hasn't always fared well. So I'm really interested to see how Utah comes out. In this game, do we see the same type of physicality that we saw at uh, against uh, Oregon? Do we see more of a road team that's similar to an Arizona State that maybe has a little bit of pressure on them, knowing that what's at stake? Because I, I would say at this point, it comes down to this game. Obviously, we don't know if Arizona State's going to lose one of their last two, but I'm pretty dang confident odds are they are going to lose one of these. So I think it really does come down to this game. Does Utah take care of business? I don't think I'm as concerned as I was going into the ASU game because I think they've got that bad loss out of the way. I think they know what's at stake now. And there's but, no but, there's really there's no room for error. They they know what they've got to do. But but the same could have been said at ASU, right? Yeah, well true you could have said that there's no room for error, but they had that game cushion because of what happened throughout the conference correct, the week before, correct, and they probably kind of thought, well, we're, we've we've got a we've got a game. Maybe not intentionally thought that, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, you know, we've we've got a game, and yeah. and it came they back pro- to they, bite them. They but- pro- they probably thought we've got a little. <laughs> oh my god! We've got a little ease to this schedule, baby. We're rolling, baby. We're in good shape. I got my saxophone, and we're just... We're going to win this game. And it didn't happen. Kenny G said, not today, boys. Not today. Well, if they were listening to Kenny G, that's why they lost. So we need him to come out anti-Kenny G in this game. And uh, obviously, 11.30 a.m., that's breakfast time, folks. This is gonna be it's gonna be weird as a fan watching them play this early. Normally, you know, I'm putting my 
my one piece jammies on to watch them at eight o'clock at night. It's true. I've seen his one piecers. So this is definitely going to be a, a big game for the youth. It's a rivalry game with the Buffs. Uh, I know I'm going to be listening to our friends over at Free Ballin' Podcast to stay up on the Buffaloes as Utah sets to play them this week. As we get into our Pac-12 and 12, and that's brought to you by our great sponsors with Double Three Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. You can find them at 110 West, 600 South, and give them a call at 801-359-7800. All right, so the Pac-12 and under 12 to start off the standings right now. So in the north, Washington State still controls their destiny. They have one game up on the Huskies. It really could come down to two weeks uh, when they play for the Apple Cup between them. And in the south, you have Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona are the last three teams uh, that are vying for that last spot uh, to represent the south. Right now is Everyone already knows the Sun Devils control their destiny, and they still have two road games in Pac-12 play that they have to win, assuming Utah takes care of business against Colorado. So this past week, we all went 4-1 in our games. I picked the Cal game. You guys had USC, and then I picked Oregon against Utah. But let's get into the scores there. So the first game, UCLA loses to the Sun Devils. We needed the Bruins to win for the U. But ASU wins 31-28. It was Manny Wilkins' last game at Sun Devil Stadium. He goes 16-22, 199 yards. Uh, Benjamin, uh, their running back, goes 182 yards. Do you guys think Herm Edwards is really the real deal down there? Because it was kind of a, a laughing hire. You know, I mean, if you've got an experienced quarterback, you can always make any team look better than the, maybe they truly are. But, I mean, I would argue he, he's definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought they'd be a disaster this year. And obviously they're... They they control their own fate in regards to the South, so you got to give him credit. I I think he's I think he's doing well. Definitely did, doing better than I I anticipated. And whether he can keep this going in the next year and beyond, will the time will tell. But you know, as as we mentioned, uh, Wilkins is a senior. Harry's not going to come back. He's obviously going pro. Uh, Benjamin should be back, and, and that'll definitely help uh, bolster their offense. But they're not going to have a go-to wide receiver. They're not going to have an experienced quarterback next year. So it, it could be a completely different team and outcome next year. But ESPN will do everything they can to continue to pub him <laughs> for recruiting purposes every chance they get. I I just don't know if I believe that a CEO who comes out and really says he doesn't like recruiting, I don't know how well he can build a program on that. Well, we'll see. Washington State blows out Colorado 31 to 7. Colorado only ran the ball 16 times. They I mean, they became one-dimensional uh in, in that game against Washington State and Washington State just they're running full steam right now. Yeah, I mean, I I would just I would suspect Colorado will do similar um, approach against Utah, um, where they're not being able to run the ball that much either. Washington State's got a great defense. They've really come on, even though they weren't supposed to be all that good defensively this year, and then their offense is what they are, number eight in the country. Our last hope for the Pac-12 uh, team to get into the playoff, even though it is a far, uh, pretty far-fetched. But Washington State continues to roll. And the trees of Stanford beat Oregon State 48-17. to Stanford had a, a pretty balanced attack, 38 passes, 30 rushes, You know, getting more similar to what we're used to seeing from Stanford. I will say Love had 11 carries for 90 yards. 
So I've been thinking about this. Love coming back this year. He was a shoe in to get drafted last year, really struggling this year with injuries and whatnot. Do you guys think a player like Moss kind of looks at that in that situation and thinks, I can get drafted now. I Maybe I should just go over the draft a year early being a running back. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in a running back position, those uh, those positions only have so many carries in them uh, and that they're limited at the next stage, the next level. And if, if you are being told that you're good enough to play, you've got to take the money. In the postgame presser on Saturday, Witt uh, said that Moss had suited up for the last time in a Utah uniform. So I think uh, I think things are pretty cut and dry. Um, I think he's going regardless whether he stayed healthy or uh, came down with this injury. And you got to take advantage of it. Um, you know, go get the money while you can. And, you know, he's done a lot for the program as is. So I'd... I don't, uh, if I were him, I'd do the exact same thing. And then the last game of the night was Cal beats USC 15 to 14. Thank you very much. I called that one. Cal snaps a 14 game losing streak to USC. Now, here's the funny thing a little over three minutes left. USC stops Cal. They throw an incomplete pass. Well, it's going to get overturned by video replay as an incomplete pass. USC would have gotten the ball back. It was fourth and 13. But USC's starting quarterback Marshall ran his mouth right in front of an official. That was awesome. Got a penalty for sport unsportsmanlike conduct. So Cal got the first down out of it, and then we were able to kind of run the clock out. Do you guys think Helton's gone? I mean, that's been kicked around since the Utah game, but how confident are you that Helton's gone? Get that man on the tarmac and fire him. It, yeah, he's done. It, he's done. At any other school, you probably he may have another year, but at USC... They're not going to put up with that. I think he's done. It is crazy how quickly things can turn for you at a school like USC when you win the Rose Bowl two years ago and you're getting run out of town. And now Cal, snapping that streak, that 14 losing streak to, to USC, is Cal for real? Their defense is really good. You watch that secondary and the plays that they make on the ball, I was just jealous of. They, they, they've come a long ways offensively they still have a long way to go they're kind of like a they're like an early pac-12 utah team really good defense bad offense that uh, whole swapping quarterbacks random is just bizarre to me i think that's i think that's hurt them a few times this year so as we look forward to this week's games on the standings scott's leading us at 33 and 18 i'm 32 and 19 and ryan's staying above 500 just barely at 27 and 24 on the season so the first game we have USC traveling to UCLA. USC is a three and a half point favorite. It's my week to go first. I'm going to go with the Trojans. I think Clay Hilton is filling pressure, but UCLA is just is not that good right now. So I got to go with the Trojans. Ryan, I'm going to go with the Bruins at home. Chip Kelly is going to put the final nail in the Clay Hilton coffin. If that were to happen, he would. Clay Hilton would be fired and not get on the bus. <laughs> right on the He'd spot. He'd be Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I I suspect. I'm going to go with USC on this. I I just don't see UCLA getting the job done. But I, I at the same time, I would be surprised really either way on this one. And the next game, Oregon State Beavers are traveling up to play the Washington Huskies. Washington's a big-time favorite right now at 32 points. That's huge. I don't think Oregon State has enough to, to compete with Washington uh, for four quarters, so I'm going to go with the Huskies. Ryan? That's a huge spread, 32 points. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Oregon State's not even going to compete. Washington all the way. Yeah, I'm going to go Washington. That'll be uh, that should be pretty cut and dry. Uh, the next game, Stanford traveling to Berkeley to play the Cal Golden Bears. The trees are in two and a half point favorite. Not only do I think Cal covers, I think Cal wins. They're playing extremely well right now. Two wins in a row for them and a huge win over USC. So I'm going to go with the Golden Bears, right? I am going to go with Stanford. They seem to be putting it together a little bit here late in the season. I have a balanced attack on offense, so I'm going to go with Stanford. The band is on the field. I'm going to go with Cal. I think think Cal, I think they're playing well. Stanford is just kind of meh. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Cal. How about how about that for analysis? And then the two teams Utah has just seen, ASU traveling to Eugene to play the Ducks. Oregon's on a four-and-a-half-point favorite right now. I'm going with Vegas on this. I have the Ducks winning, right? Duck nachos all around. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Oh, come on, Oregon Ducks. We are all Ducks. We are eating Duck nachos. We are flying in... V formations. When I walk down the street, I get, I get in the V formation behind people, and quack and quack. Whatever it takes. I'm watching Mighty Ducks every night. Let's go Ducks! <laughs> and then Arizona traveling to Washington State. Uh, the Cougars are a ten point favorite right now. I think Washington State comes away with a big win because they're rolling and no one's stopping them at the moment. So I have the Cougars, Ryan. Could this be the week that Washington State drops that infamous game? Ooh. I don't think the Pac-12 will allow that to happen. Woody Dixon will not <laughs> allow it. <laughs> I'm so far behind. I'm going with Arizona. <laughs> right, it's going for broke here. Well, I'm going to go with Washington State and just pad that lead. <laughs> I don't have a chance, so I might as well try. And the last game we're picking, Utah's traveling to Boulder to place the Colorado Buffs. Utah's a seven-point favorite right now. I have Utah winning, and I think Utah wins it 30-24, to and Jason Shelley gets the game ball. I, uh, I too, say Utah wins, and uh, I think Utah wins a bit bigger than Cameron there. I think uh, I think it's 34 34- We've got the return of the 40-point offense for the Utes this week. I think we're going to hang 40. Final score, Utah, 41. Colorado, 12. Wow. Wow. You never know with rivalry games, but I think Utah's feeling pretty well going into this game against Colorado. Ryan, where where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me at uh, Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And we are found anywhere you listen to a podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We are there. And hopefully we're talking about Utah clinching the Pac-12 South next week. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayak. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Whenever it's my turn to speak. <laughs> so the whole show? When, when, oh! <laughs>
when I speak. Well, I have to because mute's over here. <laughs> Enough lollygagging, Cam. Let's go. Scott, didn't you say that he he called you again with with some more um, kind of witchcraft <laughs> track? But, but he yeah. called you with witchcraft. <laughs> Ule, ule, Scotty, Scotty, ule, 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 and I said, "Be good." It's a combination of those two uh, issues that's made. That's I can't even say that. <laughs> Here, write it down. <laughs> so I think it's a combination of those two things that's kind of combining. Oh, a combination that's combining. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> It's got chemistry over here. <laughs> Combinations combining manicular tackles. Holy shnikes. Never had one lesson. That was the ute sex of two weeks ago. <laughs> Back to you, Cameron. <laughs> I hate him so much. I honestly hate him. It's been like three weeks since you've said that. We we had a good we had a good thing going. Oh, I think we need to bring Fernando back on.